Are you ready for a kick in the aspirations? Welcome to the podcast that brings you cutting-edge sales and business insight, along with a healthy dose of inspiration and a few laughs. Now, here's your host, Rob Liano. Hey, it's Rob Liano. Welcome to the latest episode of A Kick in the Aspirations. Today, my guest is serial entrepreneur, Mario Knopfel. And this episode brings a lot of insight as to how you can growth hack your business. And Mario offers a ton of free tools. So if you have no idea what growth hacking is, by the time this episode is done, you're going to be overloaded with strategies to increase your sales. We talk about how adding value impacts your career, the power of reciprocity, why people want to buy from you, this one thing that's holding you back, how to start innovating in your sales career, and how to think like an entrepreneur. So let's hit it. All right, Mario, my brother, how are you today? Rob, good to, good to speak with you. You too. So where's your accent from? I'm still trying to, it changes every three months because I've been traveling for eight, seven, eight years and counting. Right. So it depends on where I am in the world, it changes. I'm originally from Australia though. And where are you in the world right now? I'm in Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, very cool. Until I leave tomorrow. So this, this leads me to my first question that's very different than most people expect. What's your favorite place to travel to and why? None, man. Like anywhere that's warm and convenient to allow me to do what I do wherever I am. So, so I'm in I'm in a warm place now. It's snowing. It's freezing outside. I did I did a dance video outside. I, I danced. Somebody no. I was dancing at a festival. And I was freezing my ass off. But here it's like a it's like the whole place is a sauna and there's a sauna downstairs. So you need heat and good internet. Heat, good internet, and nice food delivery. Like food's gonna arrive in like 20 minutes. Very cool. If you have these three things and a physio and stuff, if you have these things, everything convenient. That's right. Then I'm set because I'm not. I don't care about. Tourism, all that stuff. Very cool. All right, cool. So let's let's talk about the. So this is a sales motivation business insight podcast, and I feel you have a lot to bring to the table. And it's you're a little bit of a different uh, guest than I normally have in that you're re- very serial entrepreneurial mindset, right? But you started out selling blenders, which is you know not the thing you hear most often, and you built that to an eight figure business. Can you tell me how you got into that, and then how you did that? Yeah. Um, now, whenever I ask anyone that knows me, they know that I try to always, and, and you probably appreciate this, I try to structure my answers in a way that the audience will not just be entertained by a cool story, but actually can take practical steps yes. and implement it. Yes. So the entertainment part of it is that I was door knocking selling any product I can get my hands on. That's the fun thing. I get, you know, I, I, the way I got it is I, I was at university. I saw a video by a guy called Farah Gray, who's got his own following now. He made his first million at age 14. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't know what entrepreneurial meant. I'm like, wow. But if I, I'm not allowed to curse, so it's okay. I don't, I don't curse too be much. You, I'll, be I'll you, be man. Careful. It's all good. I've, you know, uh, I've, I've been in a band right, so since I'm, I'm 15. I've heard everything. <laughs> perfect. So I am... Um, uh, so I, I, I'm like, crap, I, I don't need to be f- in my 30s or 40s to make my millions. I drop out of university in year two, I was doing banking and finance. I get the first job I can get my hands on, which was door-to-door selling, commission only. Easiest job to get, commission right. only. Um, and I sell any product that works. Now, the first thing I did that worked, and I did two things right and most other things wrong. One of those things is finding something that works and tripling down on it. Mm-hmm. Again, finding something that works and tripling down. Jim Collins talks about it like you throw pebbles and then when a pebble hits, you double down, you throw a cannibal. So I throw a lot of pebbles. I sold any product I can sell. And then when one worked, I just went all in with this. So anyone listening right now, think about this. Do you need to test if you're already in business, I still do this right now or if you're starting out. You need to test different ideas. You need to test different things. I know there's a great book called The One Thing. I know everyone tells you to focus. But you need to know you're focusing on the right thing before you focus. If you're focusing right now on launching a restaurant, uh, it's not a bad thing. You can still make it work. But it's a lot harder to make money in in the restaurant industry, in the hospitality space, compared to crypto. So how do you know this? By testing all these, researching and testing, researching and testing. So I did this by knocking on doors, selling any product I can can sell. And then Blender's clicked. Um... And I'm like, crap, that, that would work. So I, then I started selling on eBay, working even better. I was doing six figures. Sold my, on, uh, launched it on my website. I started hitting a seven-figure run rate. Got seven figures in E1. All right. And I kept doubling down and scaling this until I got to eight figures. The second thing I did right that I think the audience would appreciate, try to think outside the box. It's a cheesy saying, but it's probably the best way I could describe it, Rob. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm into growth hacking now um, for the past year. I'm obsessed in growth hacking. I think it's one of the most underrated skills to have by far. Everyone knows Facebook, Google marketing. Everyone knows uh, influencer marketing, uh, affiliate marketing, content marketing. No one talks about growth hacking. When I found out about the power of growth hacking, I um, hired the best growth hackers in the world. I rented a big villa last year in Turkey, in Fethiye, and I just brought them all in one place, and we just built businesses from there. And uh, they're, they're now my friends. It was in a massive villa, nine bedrooms, and I had like 15 growth hackers come and go. It's one of the best things I did, and I built it into a growth hacking agency. Now, why am I talk? Why did I pivot to growth hacking? Because growth hackers, what they do is they not only think outside the box, they they kind of game algorithms. The things they do are, again, genuinely game-changing. I, I highly recommend for anyone, especially B2B, to learn those skills. And I think it will blow up when people start to find out the ROI that you can get doing those strategies. Um, now, how does that go back to years ago when I launched my first business, which was e-com, is I thought outside the box. What I did was I put out an ad on Google, and I did it on eBay first, mm-hmm. before anyone. Right. eBay eventually banned it, and then Google put policies in place to make it harder to do. Um, I put an ad that says, don't buy competitor name. I genuinely put out an uh-huh. ad, and in my listing on eBay, I would say, don't buy, and I'll put the biggest competitor, which was Vitamix. Right. I got a big legal letter from them, but I kept doing it because it was legal. Mm-hmm. I was not misleading. Right. I was not, you know, defaming their brand. I actually talked positively about them. I just said to people, don't buy this, buy mine. What's wrong with that? I want you to buy my product. And then when they click on it, I just show them my product and I explain why they should buy it. Um, but that's something that most people don't do. Either they'd be too scared or they wouldn't think of it. It's thinking outside right. the box. So with me doing the right thing and doubling down on it and then thinking outside the box, those two together allowed me to make millions when I got almost everything else wrong. Very cool. So... I want to I want to kind of step back for a moment about something you brought up. So you're you're talked about growth hacking. To anyone listening who's a salesperson has no idea what that is, and I know you'll explain it better than I will. Can you give a brief overview of exactly what growth hacking is? Growth hacking, the best way to describe it, is gaming algorithms. It's gaming systems. It's gaming rules in a legal and ethical sure. way. So that's how I would describe it. I'll let you describe it, and I'll give a few examples so people can relate to it. How would you describe it, Rob? So I worked for, I consulted recently for a mega insure tech business where they sold for two point something billion, the biggest sell in history, and they had all data science and AI that basically cre- created or, or charted algorithms so that you would know exactly what policy you would be offering this person that had the highest likelihood of them buying. So that's what I would consider growth hacking, meaning I'm going to position myself or position others to sell and succeed at a higher rate based on data, technology, et cetera. And you can yeah. tell me if I'm so, totally wrong. I'm cool with that. No, you're, you're not. You know you're not you're. So <laughs> we, did a, we did a video called growth hacking is more of a mindset than a skill. It's both. Yeah. But we talked about the mindset Mm -hmm. of it. The mindset is what I have. I don't have the skills. I'm not a coder. I don't know any of that stuff. But I respect the people that do tremendously. I'm the guy that has the mindset. I'm the guy that can think of, okay, this is how you do things. I do it differently. And I'll tell you, do you mind if I tell you a couple of strategies of, of what you people could do? And then some, also some funny stories of things we did that are not even related to I business. I would love it. To give people- 100% because okay. I like knowledge bombs and it's got to be entertaining, man. That's the whole thing. Because if you look for right, investing gonna, time, go for it. Okay, this is going to be, re- anyone listening, you're going to love this stuff. Um, and, and like people in my community, we have a community of growth hackers or people that are interested in growth hacking. And the, th- the stories I hear from people that implement what we teach them is, is we should make a movie about it. You should. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll, let me start with the business aspects of it so people could do right, right now. So if you go on Google right now and you write best bachata dancer. So I'm a bachata dancer. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see me dancing around the world. I'm dancing here in Kiev. So I go to festivals. I get invited. I dance on stage with a lot of girls and stuff. So it's, it's a good life. Now, I'm not the best, though. There's people significantly better than me. me dozens and dozens of dancers better than me. Um, but if you go on Google and write best bachata dancer, let me see if it still works. I come up as number two. Or I should come up to. Um, and sometimes it changes here and there, but it's been like this for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, I come up as number three, sorry. Okay. We can change it to two. I'll change it to two tomorrow. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it comes up on Google. You don't have to click on any link. Google will tell you I'm number three right. in the world. Okay. Now, that we did it through growth hacking. We did a Quora hack. We didn't actually hack Quora. We call it growth hack. Um, and essentially going into Quora 
uh, uh, we get an account to ask a question, who are the best bachata dancers? It's not what we did, but that's what you could do. You get one account to ask a question, who are the best dancers? Who are the best hip-hop dancers? You get another account, so they have to be accounts that have been on the platform for a while, not just brand new, you just opened it up. You get another account to answer the question, and then you put yourself somewhere there. Don't be spammy, don't be obvious in marketing. And then what you do, you go to a website called Micro... Um, what's the website called? Um, micro Workers. And in that website, you would, um, you would get people at a very, very low price to go there and to rate up the answer. So the answer will go up and it'll start ranking higher in Quora. Once it ranks higher in Quora, it will rank higher on Google. Mm-hmm. And why are we doing Quora? Why don't we do your own blog? Because Quora has high brand authority on Google. Mm-hmm. So when something has high brand authority, that means Google will rank it high because they trust the website. So ranking high on Google through a website like Quora or Medium is a lot more effective than using your own website. Um, so that's the Quora hack. Um, another, it, so it gives you an idea of the things they do. Like most people don't do SEO that way. Most people go do it on their website, but they don't use those strategies. Um, another thing that people could do with growth hacking is sending out two of my companies, Rob, we've built them based on this strategy. And they're sending out thousands of LinkedIn messages a day, and it costs us almost nothing. We were talking about it earlier today. One of them is called North Equities. It does eight figures. And one of them is called uh, We Are Growth Hackers and IBC, two other agencies. They do seven figures. And all the 80% of leads we get, now 70%, is through LinkedIn automation, sending out thousands of messages using tools. We use a tool called Expandy. Most people use a tool called Phantom Buster if they're starting out. I want I want to go technical. If you want any advice, just DM me or message me. Google my name, message me, and we'll give you all those tools. People could do it. Like the impact it could have on a business is second to none. And we're doing that same thing now in the uh, NFT space in crypto. We're just applying growth hacking in NFTs in crypto, which is right now very um, yeah, very frothy, very and very, lovely, yeah. very and very lucrative. Um, so. I want to relate what you just said to a sales perspective because basically it's overcoming an obstacle, which can be in the form of an objection, as they say, quote unquote. I don't think there is anything such as an objection in sales, but that's a whole different story. But um, it's exactly that. Instead of just saying, all right, we can't do it, you know, make the extra phone call, question and validate the actual objection and find a way to overcome because that's the reason you fail is because you stop and listen to authority when it may not be the accurate story, right? Because you just gave a great example. They're all saying, well, you can't do it because of X, Y, and Z. As you say, I would normally say Z, but I'm going to join the fray and say Z. <laughs> but um, but instead of doing that, say, well, hey, how can we make this work? And that applies to anything you're doing, man. How can we make this work? Especially, I love teaching rebellious sales strategies because I do the opposite of what people do because that's average and fails most of the time. So I have been told, like you nailed it, I do think out of the box, and I'm not, a not, I'm not a conformist at all, but not in an, any negative or or condescending way. It's just psychological based, really, and it's just things that work if you work at it. So I love how that kind of relates to both everything, sales and business, and and your personal life. And okay, so he, um, for sales. So I'm a natural born salesperson. I did cold calling, I did door knocking, and I think the, the saying you're selling, you're always you're selling yourself to a girl, you're selling yourself to 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 a job interview. You're always selling something. Yep. You're always selling is convincing. Yep. First, I want to say before I give you an example for sales, the most one of the most important skills in business is copywriting, knowing what to say, how to say it, when to say it, etc. Yep. Copywriting allows you to create nice ads, create you to say the right thing in a sales call create the right copy on a website, a convincing article, blah, blah, blah. So in sales, I, when I did sales door-to-door sales, it's the best way to improve your copywriting skills because copywriting is essentially persuading people. Sales and I to understand people. Understanding people makes everything else easier because in business, you're trying to sell people something. You're trying to give people value, convince them to buy value from you, not someone else. Keyword value because if you're not selling value, that's called a scam. It's not sustainable. 100%. So, um, what I did back when I was door knocking, when I was I, my first product that I sold, and I made six figures from day one, was a water filter. You know the water cooler. You know that water cooler that you have that people you know, in, in offices with the big bottle at the top yep. and they deliver yep. bottles. Yep. That's I was offering free trials for that, and I would get paid for every free trial I would offer. My incentive for anyone that leads a sales team, focus on incentives. The incentive he gives them plays a key role in how well they perform. 
right. So my incentive was I get paid for every trial initially. They changed that once you know, I found a flaw in the incentive and gamed it. So my goal was to convince people to take a free trial. Instead of saying to them, hey, would you like to try this? If you like it, you can subscribe on a membership basis and pay money. I said, within days or weeks, I changed my pitch to, hey, I'm going to put this water filter for you to try in your office. You don't have to pay anything. We'll pick it up in a week. I just want to get feedback on it. So when we come back to pick it up, we'll ask you for some tip feedback, and then we'll pick it up. Obviously, the conversion rate is going to collapse because now people are thinking they're doing this for feedback. They get free water for a week or two. And the salespeople, when they found that out, the people are closing the deals, are like, Mario, all these trials are not closing. The conversion rate just collapsed. But I was making a lot of money because I'm getting money on trials. Right. So um, this is a perfect example of how growth hacked the sales process by fixing, by, by changing my pitch Everyone, all the other salespeople are offering, hey, this is what you're doing. They're, they're no longer work. I actually took over their whole sales within weeks. <laughs> but all the other salespeople were like, hey, this is a free trial. You can buy it later. Because that's what it is. Right. A growth hacker, or whatever, will turn me on to you. Someone thinking outside the box. I want to give him a free trial. I get paid for that. How can I convince him to try it? Forget about conversions. Closing yeah. it because I'm not making money off that. And let me tell you, I, I love how we have this really, really commonality or synergy between us because I consulted for a large insurance agency and their recruiters were incentivized by giving them a bonus on anyone that they brought on board. It wasn't based on if they were successful. They just had to get a body in the, in the house, right? That was all it is. And it was an epic fail because I, as a sales trainer, I had Uber drivers that might want to sell insurance when the thing called open enrollment comes along. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's the time of year you could buy insurance under certain conditions. And it was a disaster. There was an engineer who didn't even have an insurance license yet, just was thinking about doing it. And the senior VP of sales, who was new at the time, didn't want to change that model because he didn't want to shake things up. And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes because ultimately the CEO called me and said, hey, why are we not growing as a company? I'm like, because your recruiting sucks and they're not incentivized properly. They don't care about it. They're just gaming the system by, okay, great. I just need a body in the house who may or may not have an insurance license and I'll worry about it later. And the company eats all that money, loses income and doesn't grow exponentially like they should. And it's exactly in line with what you're saying. So if businesses are listening, that's not how you want your, to incentivize your people. You want to incentivize them the right way because someone like Mario is going to come along and game the system. Exactly. It's not growing your business, but it's making him money, So, but it's not beneficial for everyone. So I love that you brought that up. It's so important, man. Like Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger, I think, says a saying like, you know, uh, tell me the incentives and I'll, show me the incentives and I'll tell you the outcome. Something right. along those lines. I'm, I'm butchering right. it. I love but it. the incentive, I'm training my team all the time to – to, to base the incentive, like we're doing, we're, I'm, I partner with a lot of people. I love launching businesses. You know, I don't make money selling courses and stuff. I make money by if anyone there listening to this has a, you know, has a good business, is doing well, wants to scale it. People like them make money with me. So I do all these partnerships. How we structure those partnerships is to allow both parties to have the right incentives. I say, okay, what's your incentive? Um, right. And then I, I tell them what my incentive is. And then the agreement is based on each other's incentives. Um, and that makes the whole relationship work. When we're closing, we'll go back to sales. When you're closing customers, realize what their incentive is and then try to change the agreement or, or the service based on their incentive. So I'll give you an example. On a, in our growth hacking agency, um, that's another example uh, that, that would be, I don't want to only talk about this agency, but that's a really easy example to relate to. Uh, in a growth hacking agency, we um, let's say we have a B2B client. We can charge them, okay, 20K, we'll do this uh, this whole thing for you. You get that many leads, it's a K a week or whatever. I'm just making crap up. I don't know what we charge because I don't do it myself. Sure. So it's like K a week and all that. But what one of our team members, actually my business partner, Kirill, what he did is he's like, okay, we're getting them calls. That's our job is to get them calls from clients. Mm -hmm. And they would pay us if we get them calls. So our in let's just align our incentives with them. And say, hey, you know, don't pay us any deposit, maybe $1,000 just to get the a campaign set up. Right. But you know what? Charge us per call we get you. And pay us more if that call converts to a close, their close. And then our incentives now is aligned. And now it's a lot easier to close customers. Why? Because we've aligned their incentives with them and our conversion rate improved a lot. So customers that were saying no to pay 10K, now pay us more than 10K now or 5K or 20K or whatever it is. But through a different structure that right. where our incentives are aligned, they're more comfortable paying us. Um, so that's a killer. 
that's a killer model. And uh, I can relate it to sales again, even though that is sales, but in, in the manner of leads, when you buy leads, if the leads are not really quality leads, the lead vendor has no skin in the game because they already got paid for that lead, right? So if you're not closing sales, you're kind of screwed. Now, there is, of course, a factor that it's not the lead that sucks. It's the salesperson that sucks. So those are a couple of different things you need to think about, right? Um, but for me, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, if you if everything was incentivized, everyone is just in a better position to succeed. And the quality has to be better on both sides, which makes it a mutual win-win situation. As I say. Or I like saying sales is a mutual exchange of value. Like you were saying value. I'm all about value, man. Like that's, I mean, I love, I, I got to ask you an interesting question. So you offer insight at no cost. You don't have online courses. And I know you don't entirely disagree with them, but I want to know from your perspective, what do you feel you get out of it? by offering all this at no cost because we're about value and there's, you know, there's either you feel great about it. you just have a desire to help. What's the driving factor behind that for you? Great question. Um, I'll I'll answer that question. I wanted to give one more example on the previous point that I wrote down and not an example. And I'll answer this question because I actually love the question. Um, Just one person that I've, I've interviewed on clubhouse and I'll be interviewing on my podcast. His his name is Naveen Jain. He's He's a billionaire. And, he mentioned one thing he does that I think you'll find interesting is he would hire, he would like to partner with people, Rob, that and work with people that don't have any knowledge in an industry. So he's in the, he's got a company now he found it, it's called biome. It's in the microbes and the oh, gut yeah. health. Yeah. And he knew nothing about the space and he saw that as an advantage. Why? Cause the limitations that people within a space are limited by, don't mm-hmm. apply to him. Why? Because he's not from the space. So if yeah. I come into the podcast, if I come to launch a podcast, or if I come into launch, go into clubhouse, or if I launch a sales company, if I get into a space that I don't understand, I would just break all the rules. Like now, I'm building. Like now, I'm building a community. I, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. And that pivots to your question. I'll link your question. I'll answer why I'm doing it, and I'll also give you how I'm doing it, if you like. Because I'll, I'll tell yes. you like how. I'm, Okay. I, I, have, I have to add something first, man. I love please this. Do, please do. Yeah. So when I first got into insurance, selling insurance, I, I've, I've sold other stuff. I've sold, um, you know, uh, trade show uh, sales where you could put up your booth or hang a banner right, right for a trade show or an event. I sold fire safety equipment. I sold vacuum cleaners door to door like you did. That's how I got my start. So when I got back into selling and started selling insurance, when they told me they're going to give me leads, because all I did was ever cold call, and it was someone went on the internet looking for insurance, they're giving me that information. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be the easiest job I ever did. So I went in with that attitude that it was so simple because I've cold called, but now you're going to give me someone interested? And it, and it was the easiest job I ever had. And I became a top producer because of that mindset. It's like you're saying, you come in with that mindset of like, okay, I don't know anything. I don't know, like people are telling you, you can't one call close over the phone. They were wrong. You know, you can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. I didn't know any of that. I just thought, oh, great. I'm going to close a whole ton of sales. And because I had that attitude, my whole demeanor and how I acted with people on the phone was different because I assumed the sale immediately where a lot of people assume they're not going to close a sale based on something, their income, whatever it is. So that's really interesting. I love that you, you, you're, you're triggering all these memories that I've forgotten about that still apply to this day of what you bring to the table attitude wise is you know for henry ford said whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right so if you go in thinking okay great i have nothing to lose here i don't know what i'm doing i'm just gonna do it it could work in your favor it's apply i apply this in everything i do so when i go into a space i go in with you have to understand the space you have to understand the basics you have to understand the industry of course you have to learn the basics but then not being, not having, when you look, when you go to, uh, okay, if you go to a country, now in some countries they believe things that are not true because they've been passed from yeah. their ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. There's a funny story of a, of a, a woman, her and her husband were putting a, 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 the I turkey in the oven. I can't believe it. Yeah. The turkey one, yeah? They cut off, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they, they cut off the corners of the turkey. And then the, 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 the wife and the husband, the husband's like, why do you cut off the, 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 the turkey's uh, edges, you know, on the, the, the front and the back? And she's like, I don't know. My mom does it. They go ask the mom. And then, what do you do with mom? And she doesn't know. Luckily, the grandma's alive. So they go to the grandma. 
Actually, they ask, why are you Qatar? And they're like, ah, oh, we're Qatar because we lived back in, in, we migrated from Italy because they're immigrants. We're from Italy, whatever country, but we had small ovens there. We couldn't afford big ovens yep. and we had to cut it to fit. So there's yep. actually no logical reason to cut it. It's just been passed on for a long time. And the same thing applies to business. Like people in an industry, why do you do this? Oh, my manager does this. Go to the manager, team manager. Why do you do this? Oh, my top manager. And then they, they do this for like another reason that doesn't apply anymore from about right. 30 years ago. Habits, so man. You, All habits. Exactly. The great book called The Power of Habit. Yep. Um, so yeah, oh, habits. Exactly. So let's so, drop that one. Wait, let's drop that. Charles Duhigg, Power of Habit. Get the book. Massive book. Man. Brilliant. Like habits, Brilliant. That's what changes your life. Like, uh, you know, uh, they they one, make one, break everything. One kick a day, as Bruce Lee says. Yep. That's, what he, that's what scares Bruce Lee. Not one, one someone could do a thousand kicks. Someone does one kick a day for a thousand days. Yep. Something along those lines. Ten kicks and a yeah, day that's, for a day. Malcolm Gladwell's blink, I think he says a thousand hours of uh, practice makes you an expert. Exactly. So but then that's where growth hacking comes in. Where with growth hacking, like Tim Ferriss' four-hour chef, yeah. growth hacking, those thousand hours, you can cut them down by just finding, like, when I, I dance, I learned dancing very quickly. Like, everyone would ask me, how did you become such a great dancer so quickly? I reverse engineered it. Um, with um, um, it's public speaking, I would never be that I consider myself okay at speaking. You know, I speak for thousands of people, tens of thousands sometimes. I would never be able to do that before. I did Toastmasters right. on steroids, and I would record myself speaking, listen to myself. I would test my voice. Like, I did all these things. I'm all, oh, who listening right now to this podcast has recorded themselves speak and listened to it time and time again for days, every single day? Not many people. Yes. I did that every day. Well, if I train them in sales, they should have done that and videotape themselves to see how their stature is, how they're responding, hear both sides of the conversation, listen back to see where you can improve, how well you know the scripting, do you sound natural? So that's what I recommend because a lot of people say don't use a script, but don't sound like you're using a script and don't be stuck to that script. But that takes practice and repetition, like you're saying, until you could just recite things and go with the ebb and flow of the conversation and make it human. So yeah, and you're right, 100%, 100% is what you you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. That's cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> now, to answer your question, because I don't want to digress too much, your initial question, why I'm doing this. Yes. Um, because, by the way, we think alike. So a lot of the things I'm saying, I have a feeling that most of your audience knows it because you seem to talk a lot of the same things. So uh, like if we're repeating the same stuff for the audience members, instead of saying, why are they saying the same stuff? You should think instead, am I actually doing what they've been saying this whole time? Yeah. And, said it. and repetition is learning. You don't, you're Excellent. not going to retain it hearing it once either. Done. There cool. you go. Cool. Um, now, in terms of the question, why am I doing this? Um, I don't know. Like, I was on Clubhouse, and I still am, but I'm just, I'm just having a bit of a hiccup at the moment. But I was I one heard of the, that. Yeah, so I, I'm one of the fastest growing people on Clubhouse. had the biggest daily room, have the biggest daily room called The Roundtable, um, and, and interviewed some of the biggest names in business. So I'm very humbled by that. And people would ask me, like, why do you do it? I don't have a course. I don't have a coaching. I don't have any program. Don't plan to either. Uh, two reasons. First, the amount of like unexpected deals that I made by people reaching out. Cause I talk, cause I talk a lot about, about trends, ideas, and I, I'm going to do a podcast as well. Now I'm convinced to do a podcast where I'm going to talk about like marketing trends, marketing ideas, etc. And so that's what excites me. And then people come up to me, I'm actually doing this. I'm like, all right, let's do it together. And now here we are, we launch a new business. So yeah. I've hired talent. I've partnered with talent. Um, I talk about growth hacking. So a lot of people come to me and say, how do you do growth hacking? They can learn it. I have a free course, but a lot of time, a lot of them become clients as well. So it's unexpected revenue. When you give value without asking for anything in return, um, I'm not alone. I was talking to one of my friends. His name is Nick Bradley. He has his own podcast as well. Really smart guy. He doesn't sell anything. Um, he just talk, gives value. And the amount of deals he made, he does eight figures in revenue. Um, so it, it's that. Plus, I love it so much, man. Like, I love, I don't know why. It just gives me, I, I, to ask you a question why anyone does something, anyone listening to this, if you want to do something and you don't know how to get the drive to do it, and people ask me how do I have that energy all the time, it's because I know myself. What does that mean? Do different personality tests. Understand yourself. Because once you understand what drives you, you can then focus on the right things. That's what right. drives me is momentum and growth. That's why I'm in Ukraine now dancing because that gives me momentum and growth, dancing on stage and stuff. And that's why I'm sitting, I was sitting on Clubhouse 15, 15 hours a day, and I'll probably go back to doing that when I'm back on Clubhouse. And that's why I'm doing podcasts like this. I love to grow, whether it's growing a community, growing my personality, growing myself, growing my wealth, growing my dancing skills. I love that momentum growth and growing my knowledge. I love it. See, so there's a lot of people that ask me why I'm starting out my podcast with interviews, because I have over two and a half decades worth of sales knowledge. And I did it because I want to continue learning, and I don't know everything, 
right? So I want to pick people's brains, hear what they answer. If I can interject, awesome. If not, I'm going to shut up and listen like everyone else. And that's key is continue learning because then, of course, the phrase is you continue earning. But I also love the number one thing you're doing is adding value. And that creates the law of reciprocity, where if you give out to people, they want to give back to you in some way, shape, or form, whether it is a referral or promoting you. I love that. I love that that resonated with you. Um, but yeah, you, you nailed it because the more, especially in sales today, most companies decide to go with the company that, or most businesses or consumers decide to go with the sales organization that provided the most value. Because that's what I want. People buy value. They don't look at price unless you don't build value. And then you'll lose that sale to someone who sells cheaper anyway. But if you build value in your product or service or you as the expert, you're going to close more sales and people will gravitate to that. Okay. So you just mentioned something that, that I want to might mention again because it's the most important tip that we can give in this podcast or one of the most. You, you probably heard... Um, this many times off this podcast, you heard Rob talk about it a few times, the power of reciprocity. If as a salesperson, if you're not leveraging the power of reciprocity, you're missing on one of the most powerful weapons in sales, yep. marketing, and business. Yep. hundred like percent. Right now, the, the most underrated strategy in e-com, in B2C, is the power of free, giving free products, free plus shipping. Works so well. Why does it work? The power of reciprocity, and plus you acquire leads and attention uh, for cheap. In sales, if you give people, like when you go to a shop in Egypt that sells uh, carpets, Rob, you yep. look at a carpet, they'll get that ladder. They'll climb on that ladder. They'll bring that carpet down, open it up, even if you don't want them to do that. Even if you don't That's ask them to do that. They'll go through the hassle. Why? Because now you feel bad. They've gone through all this effort oh, for you to look at it. Because <laughs> I, 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 I use a similar story in that, I don't know. You probably experienced this somewhere, but when when people were going to malls shopping, and you go in looking for, let's say, jeans, pants, right? And you go, you know, a, a someone, a sales rep helps you, and you go to the dressing room and try it on. And they say, hey, they knock on it, hey, how do, how's it fit? You know, you need any help? They're like, yeah, you know what? It's too small. And, and then that sales rep says, oh, I'll get you the next size up, right? And they come back and they hang the pants over the thing. You try them on, you come out, and you will say, when they say, what do you think? They're like, the, the person who's shopping will say, I'm sorry, I just don't, uh, they're not for me. You say, I'm sorry, because that person went out of their way for you and brought that over. I mean, you, you would normally never say, I'm sorry, they don't fit, but you feel bad that you're not reciprocating. And that's something that's either subconscious, psychological, inherently born in us, and so valuable if you are not thinking that if you give out, you will get back in return. And I love that. It's, it's literally exactly the example I use is you say, I'm sorry. Because you feel bad about it. Because you want to get back. People would ask me all the time on Clubhouse, like, Mario, what's your like, what's your strategy? Why, why are you selling? Like, everyone sells, Most people sell courses and stuff. I'm like, just watch. Just let me keep doing what I'm doing. Think long term and believe in the power of reciprocity. It destroyed the platform. Like, I, I grew so quickly and I got so much out of it. And there's someone else, his name, I won't actually mention his name. Uh, someone else that I'm close to in my, in my little squad. I have a squad on Clubhouse. We, mm -hmm. we run the biggest rooms. He has a course. He genuinely, no joke. Now, many people that have courses made a lot of money, but he made zero. And he's like, Mario, I still didn't make anything on Clubhouse. Now, most people that sell courses did make money. But I bet you, not as much money as my, I made by not having a course and focusing on the power of reciprocity. That's right. And I, and I did have the biggest room on Clubhouse. So that's enough value within itself without actually selling anything. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned something else. I wrote it down. Um, oh, I didn't write it down. Um, you mentioned, I forgot. But yeah, that, the power of reciprocity is, is, um, is, 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 is um, yeah. Let me tell you one more thing. Are you familiar with what's what's known as the puppy dog clothes? Clothes? Um, yeah, no, tell dog. me. Tell uh, me. I, I, yeah. I might know it, but not as a puppy dog clothes. Tell me. You might know it. So, so back in the day, if, if a couple with a kid or whatever family went into a pet store and they find a dog that they liked, a puppy, 
the owner would say, take it, take it home for a few days yeah. and they would never bring it back. Meaning don't pay me now. Like you can't really do that today in certain places, but they would say, don't pay me, take it home for a couple of days. If you change your mind, bring it back. And no one would bring it back because the kid falls in love with the puppy. And it was the same concept of today is give a free ebook and you're going to get the free ebook. You get to keep it. You don't have to return it, right? It's free. So the mentality now is you never have to pay. And if you don't want to continue forward and purchase a course, that's great. You're not my qualified prospect. So it's actually even better to put yourself in a position to where you have people who are actually attracted. That's why it's called attraction marketing to what you're offering. If anyone's not taking notes, just I want to say this. Okay. I want to say, I remember what I want to say before. And, and, right. and it, it, it's similar to this. If anyone thinks they know everything, you know how you said you do the podcast to keep learning. If people like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg still are learning all the time and they're humble enough to so Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, they always say, I don't know this. I don't know this. I don't know that. Right. If people that successful are still humble enough to say, I don't know this and, and curious enough to always learn. If you know, if you know, uh, Walmart, um, uh, Sam Alton, his yeah, story of how he's always curious, he's always learning from people that are starting out. Mark Cuban, he's always learning from those upstart entrepreneurs. They're the billionaires, and they're learning. I'm going to be direct. Who the hell are you to think you know it all? Like right. People like me and Rob, we obsess over learning. In this podcast, I'm the guest, okay? I'm the one that's meant to be giving you all value. I'm the guest. I'm the guy that knows everything, giving you value. I wrote three things I'm going to do. One of them is to, I'll tell you what they are. One of them is to get testimonials from podcasts, I guess. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, well, I've done it before. Ask my team to go to people like yourself, Rob, and say, hey, how'd you find Mario? How was he? Are you able to like write a few sentences about it? Yeah. And when I, do, I make a list of them and I give it to future podcasts, they see how well I did on other podcasts, they'd be more willing to, to, to take me on. So that's one. I got it from this podcast. I remember it. Another one is to look at the gut health. I'm looking into gut health more. On a personal level, I highly recommend it. Everyone looks at the gut health. It's got, it impacts you, everything about your health. Absolutely. more than people expected. Yeah. And that third thing on the strategy I, I got is the puppy dog strategy. I thought when he said puppy dog, it's like the sad face when someone doesn't want to close. No. I, I can guess that, but no, this one, 100%, I know, the free trial. It's, it yeah. goes back decades and decades. That's and what it I mean, it's works. not even new, right? That's exactly right. So that means the number one thing throughout history of sales is value that you offer to someone else or perceived value, how they perceive the value. Because people will always say, and here's the example I like to use. If I go to a restaurant and the server is great, but the food isn't great, I am tipping the server more based on the value I got from that person. So, And the meal could be great, but the server could be terrible, and I am going to adjust my tip because of the lack of value I perceived from the server. So we pay for value or, or perceived value. Uh, right now I'm doing a strategy. I just wanted to follow it up with my team. We, One of my businesses sells uh, kitchen appliances, Fruity, the one I started with. Yep. And what we're going to be doing is giving, is having people buy our product by paying us nothing and not even putting a credit card on file. Now, there's a big downside to it. People will keep the product and never return it and never pay for it. Right. But does that mean it doesn't work? What if, like, because most people are, are in, in, innately good, otherwise the world will not exist. So most people are actually good. Um, so if we look at, and it's in a country like Australia, for example, or a country like UK, oh, man, I less love likely. It. Yeah, yeah, and then people are very great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Very nice people. Yeah. Um, and in the UK, they, they're petrified to break the law. So, <laughs> and Switzerland and stuff. So in those countries, for example, um, the percentage of people that might keep the appliance, not pay for it and not return it, is so low right. that it, the cost of it, let's say it costs, if you average it, it costs like $50 or $100 per appliance, if you look at how many you lost, that's still cheaper of how, uh, compared to how much we pay for ads, which cost an arm and a leg. That's right. So that puppy dog strategy, we're going to be trying to get ourselves in the business because although the, the world is changing, things around us are changing, Human change takes a long, 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 long time. Well, conspiracy theories will always exist. Um, the, the cognitive biases will always exist. Oh. Um, um, loss aversion will always exist. Those human, um, the, the way the brain works will take thousands of years to change. So the strategies that worked decades ago, the books that are classics still exist today. You just got to learn how to apply them in today's digital economy. 100%. That's hysterical that you said that because I just mentioned on another podcast, someone posted on LinkedIn something about if you don't believe in your product, neither will your customer and, and took credit for it, like literally put credit this person's name. And that's paraphrase 
very closely to the exact statement from a book from 1947 by Frank Betker, I, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Sales. So that is still, because people will write that off. They're dinosaurs, the old school guys like Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy, they're dinosaurs. But the core principles in sales are still so relevant, but we have gotten so far away from that as people try to do these crazy habits and things that they don't even work, but they just do it because other people are doing it, man. And, you know, it's like what my dad used to say, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you follow him? It doesn't mean you're supposed to do that, but you can figure out better ways to work. But the, some of the old school stuff, man, is still relevant. Now, obviously not from a technological standpoint, but technology today allows us to do our job easier. We're connected to thousands of people that we don't even really know. Like they're not really, we have friends on Facebook that aren't really friends. I've never met them. You know what I mean? So it's, it's wide open opportunity when you blend strategies that work successfully with technology, like growth hacking. I mean, you should be able to explode your business. This, no- is like, this is like the podcast right now you're doing. I'll give you a quick example now. Your podcast right now is giving that free value to people. That's right. Uh, 50 years ago, it could have been like a DVD or a cassette tape. Right. You send it to people's home, keep it. You don't have to, you can watch it and return it only if you want, or you can get more of it. So, you're doing it through a podcast now because this is obviously the new economy yeah. we live in. And you nailed it. The reason why I'm doing a podcast is because not everyone can hire me, can afford to hire me as a consultant, trainer, coach, right? So I was like, I need to offer value. I want to reach other people and hopefully empower them. And it was the same concept because I've never done any kind of like YouTube videos. I maybe wrote some articles or blogs and posted in some forums, but I've never done anything like this. And it's been overdue and nagging at me. And it's been two and a half years in the works until I finally said, I need to just focus and do it and, and sacrifice other things because... That's the whole point is I want to add value, which brings us completely full circle to our entire topic of adding value, man. I love it. So I have a, I have a couple more questions. And I always, I always ask one uh, question to everyone. And, but most of the time they're very different questions. Cause I like to just, you know, I love that you can, you know, basically you have enough knowledge to wing it and answer so I'm glad we didn't really properly script anything and we're kind of going through it. So I think this is an interesting question. And then we'll, because I know we're getting near the hour mark and people get edgy probably, right? So um, sales sales in general is a kind of a different animal because you do need a, a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset. So what would you, being a serial entrepreneur, and that doesn't mean like, you know, Rice Krispies, it means serial entrepreneur. Um, what do you think you would recommend for someone to start to think like an entrepreneur in a sales business? That's a good question, man. Thanks. Okay. So someone that's doing sales, that's working sales at another company, how can they start thinking entrepreneurial? Yeah. To then, and what can they do to start getting entrepreneurial and then looking at selling their own product? Okay. First thing I want you to do, I think that salespeople, like there's a lot of great books and a lot of great guides on, on entrepreneurship. If you want someone to give you the motivation or people like Gary Vee will motivate the hell out of you. Yeah. If you want like a strategic book, there's a lot of books recommended. You go on Google, best entrepreneurial books. But I'll give you something that you won't find anywhere that I think would probably be a key pillar on your journey. It's going to take you 10, 16, 10, 15 minutes to listen to. If you go on YouTube and, um, and write Bill Gross, TED. So Bill Gross, G-R-O-S-S, TED, T-E-D. It talks about the power of timing. Ah, interesting. He's done a a very comprehensive study on uh, the the most important factor for a business's success. He compared a business plan compared to versus the team versus the business ID versus how much money they have. All these things, I think there's four or five, six, five or six things. And the number one factor that determined the business's success among everything else, everything's important, but the number one most important thing is timing, doing yeah. the right thing at the right time. And we talked earlier about restaurant versus, you know, going to crypto right now. Obviously, crypto will make you more money, more likely to make you money. doesn't make restaurant impossible. It just makes it harder. So once you understand the importance of timing, right. then you've got an edge over other salespeople because you're not focused on the right product. And then there's a lot of tools um, I'm going to give you some now. We've got like 30 of them to find the right product. Um, subscribe to trends.co. I'm not affiliated. Trends, T-R-E-N-D-S, trends.co, and explodingtopics.com, explodingtopics.com. Interesting. It will then give you a direction of products you can sell. And <laughs> um, there's, other, there's other free tools that we use. 
and we're going to do our own like podcast where we discuss trending ideas and businesses, where we're going to read trends, read exploring topics, and talk about it with successful people. But listening to those things will give you keep your you know keep your finger on the pulse of what's trending, what you should right. focus on. Focusing on that and understanding the power of timing together, um, you're, you're going to have a massive head start when you go down the entrepreneurial path. I love it. I want to I want to add something to that. So let's say you're a salesperson out there in the world, uh, the jungle, as we sometimes call it, and you want to just stay with your job because it's a great opportunity. You, you know, you're selling a product you believe in. You should think out of the box and not rely on only your company for lead generation. Um, it, figure out, talk to, I mean, I, I, as a, as a person who has employed people before, I would love if someone walked up to me and said, Hey, what can we do to incentivize our audience? What can I give away for free? Can we do a free trial? You know, what, what can I do to, to, to generate more business? I would be like, you are a rock star because most people don't do that. They sit there, take what they're giving, do just enough. And if you do just enough, you're never going to have more than enough. So if you can implement that mentality of how can I, maybe I can create a free ebook or do some attraction marketing, a, a lead funnel uh, or click funnel, as they say, uh, you were, look like you were going to say something. You want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you go to businesses, if you're a salesperson, use a tool called Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. Oh, yeah, the videos. Exactly. Give them a quick video, reviewing their website, reviewing their business, giving them free tips, giving everything. Yep. And then just wait. Post it on YouTube, send it to them as an unlisted. People like to see themselves on YouTube. Send them the video and see how that goes. We do that a lot. We automate it again. If you want all these different strategies, go to a website called We Are Growth Hackers. So we are growthhackers.com forward slash free, as in something for free. Again, puppy strategy. Yep. Um, free, F R E E. Um, and there was all these videos on how different ways to get clients, all of it out of the box strategies. Um, but, and, and it goes to what, what you're saying, Rob, is out-of-the-box strategies, and then giving value as much as you can without asking for anything in return. You're, having an ask is important in sales. But ask later on. Give a lot of free. I don't ask at all. Yep. People will come. I just drop in I drop in hints. Like, I drop in my website there. I mention I have a growth hacking agency. I didn't say anyway, hey, anyway, I, don't, I would never say, if anyone wants to work with us, DM me. It, it's not bad to say this, but I generally don't say this. It's not that... Again, you could try both because I believe so much in the power of reciprocation, but we've talked about this already. Yeah, and here's why that's interesting. If you say, if anyone's interested, DM me, that could be seen as subtle sales pressure. And that could turn people off because, oh, great, you've just been giving me value, but it's all about you now. And you made it about you instead of them, the prospect, and the value you're adding. So That's I, interesting. That's interesting. Like I, said, I, said, I said that earlier. Like, if anyone wants more things, DM me. So first, sometimes it might come, like, actually DM me because I could say he talked to Oh, no, no. About. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not relating that as a hard and fair no, 100%. No, no, I don't I've battled through this. I've tested it in front of thousands of people live on Clubhouse. Um. When I say anyone that's interested, DM me when there's a call to action, I genuinely get six, seven, eight hundred uh, messages within like um, less than a minute. Yep. The call to action, I had an audience for like four or five thousand yep. people listening. Yeah. But when there's a call to action, CTA, um, it freaking works. Yeah, and I want I want to actually clarify when you do say you don't ask, which you know on occasion you do, but mostly you don't. Salespeople have to ask. Like if you're in sales, if you're an entrepreneur, coach, consultant, that type of thing, you can implement this strategy very effectively. But if you're a paid salesperson working on commission and have a, a responsibility to your business owner company that you work for, you have to ask because that's one. It's, it's, yeah, it's not whether to ask or not because you have to ask. It's about when to ask. That's correct. I ask, should I do? Should I ask in the beginning, middle, or end of a podcast, or should I not ask in this podcast at all? Should I do like three months worth of podcast, build an audience, and later ask? You know, Gary V. When do you hear Gary V. ask? Very rarely. That's right. his strategy. When do you hear Grant Cardone ask? All the fucking sorry, all the freaking time. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it, different people. I have different strategies. Which one's better? Um, uh, you're the well, expert. I would think Gary V doesn't get a lawsuit based on calling a car dealer too often, like Grand Cardone. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Go with the Gary V technique. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm more. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I prefer the balance of a proper follow-up process that is scripted and methodical, and I will contact you here and there and there and there, and you know, put you in a drip email, keep adding value, because one of the main main reasons a lot of salespeople fail is because they're calling someone and are only thinking of that sale today. 
but I might be your customer six months from now or two years from now. But if you blow it and only treat me like I only matter to you closing a sale today, you may never get my business. So that's where I like to find the balance is I'm not going to hammer people, but I'm not going to let them completely go either. So for me, that's one, maybe one more takeaway there. So, all right, I have one more question. We're at the hour mark. Mary, you are awesome. I love that we agree on a lot and then don't agree on everything because that's important too for things to think about in our growth. And um, I, ho- I hope you have fun where you are and wait, you're traveling tomorrow. Where are you going? Dubai. Oh, very cool. No, Turkey, Turkey, sorry, Turkey. Oh, yeah. I, well, you know, you travel enough. So it's hard to use. All right. So here's my last question that I ask everyone. Well, first, how do people get in touch with you? I just Google my name is Mario Norfolk N for Nelly A W F for Fred A L for Larry's Mario N A W F A L and yep. they message you on any platform. And again, the reason I say that I don't give them any URL or any complicated way. The yep. easier you make it to your audience, the the more friction you remove That's in right. the sales process, the easier it is to convert. How much simpler do you want it to be? If I had a simpler name, I would give it to you. But my name is Mario Norfolk. And there's no one else with my name that has any ranking on Google. So if you Google it, I'll come up everywhere. And just message me on any platform. Low friction, more people will message. That is is the key to building websites, is the less they have to do. And my call to action, Rob, I call to action. Just mention community, and I'll add you in my various communities. None of them are funnels. They're genuinely just people communities. I've had them for like two years, a year and a half, never sold anything on them. We just talk, help each other. I want in on that, too, because it's going to be a fun ride now that I know you. Um, Last question. What's your favorite quote and why? Um. and I, I know you have many like me, but pick yeah, one yeah. or two. One, one, only one. I know people want to. So um, it's not a quote. It's more. I don't know what the quote is because I'm, I'm I butcher quotes. But the quote goes along something like, um, "One of the most common characteristics among billionaires." And I'll start a quote. It's a conclusion from a book. Sorry, but it's so good that I have to mention it. I'm going to sneak it in. Uh, Instead of a quote, and one of the most common characteristics among billionaires. There's a book about billionaires that analyzes billionaires. They are not binary. They are not black and white. Yeah. Re- and that you you know that, Rob. Why? Because we're talking about Grand Cardone, Gary Vee, which has different approaches. Like, actually, it's none of the two. It's a mix of both through a, a funnel, a system with certain places where you have got. Because most of the time, the answer is not black and white. It's somewhere in the middle. I absolutely agree. All right, man. Dude, you are awesome. I am so stoked. Had so much fun. I can't thank you enough. Uh, audience out there, you guys are why we do this. So I hope you took notes, listened to it a few times. Give us five stars, download it, and share it with anyone that needs a kick in the aspirations. Thank you so much for your time, and we will see you in the next episode.